Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that you speak to us through it. Thank you that you comfort and encourage us. Thank you that sometimes you challenge and make us uncomfortable with it. We pray that as we gather around it for a few minutes now, that the same spirit that comes at Pentecost would open it to us. Help us to hear your truth, to receive it into our hearts and lives, to receive your blessing, and then to go out and live the joy of belonging to you. And we ask all this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. In this passage in John's Gospel, uh, Jesus is speaking and praying for his uh, disciples and for those who will believe through their message. He's praying for them, speaking uh, to them shortly before uh, he's handed over his betrayal and then the journey to the cross, the empty tomb, and ultimately his return in triumph to his heavenly Father. And these prayers and, and, and words that, John, that Jesus gives, particularly in John's Gospel, are very precious. They are some of the last things Jesus says to and about his disciples before he is taken from them. And you can tell that he's concerned. You can tell that he uh, is, uh, is, a, is, is concerned about them. In these words we've got here on the screen, I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world, and I am coming to you. There's this sense of leaving the people who have become very precious to him. This group of, of disciples and, 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 a, and a bigger group of followers who've been with him over the pre preceding three years, who've been full of misunderstandings and shortcomings and inadequacies and weaknesses, even at times arguments and, and quarreling, but nonetheless, they are incredibly important to him. He loves them. And as he's about to leave them, he prays for them. And it is this prayer of protection. Holy Father, protect them. Protect them. Protect them by the power of your name. We know in Scripture, don't we, that we have been given, that people have been given the wonder and joy of knowing the name of God. The name which is, in and of itself, holy. Remember the story of Moses at the burning bush, who was told to take off his shoes because he stood on holy ground. And then God speaks to him from the bush and reveals his name. I am who I am. Something so precious, so important, that it was to be a sign that Moses was indeed sent by God. Tell them, I am has sent me to you. Something so precious that when the Ten Commandments are given on Mount Zion, one of them is, do not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. 
the glory, the wonder, the holiness of the name of God. We know there is power in the name of Jesus, don't we? We see it in the Gospels. Do you remember when the, the 72 are sent out and they go and they do amazing things and they come back to Jesus and they say, Lord, the demons subject are subject to us in your name. Paul writes in the early church, he writes to the, to the Corinthians and he, he tells them what, what they were. He tells them what they were. And then he says, and that is what some of you were, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. We can feel it now, can't we? We feel the power of the name of Jesus in our own lives. And of course, we look forward to the time, the time that Paul talks about in Philippians chapter 2, that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. There is power in the name of Jesus. Now, it's important that we don't misunderstand this. Because sometimes, just sometimes, you meet Christians, wonderful, God-fearing and lovely people, but they seem to somehow think that perhaps we're in some video game and the power of Jesus is a superpower, okay? And, and, and we're in this cosmic battle um, where the baddies are all really bad and they're usually dressed in black and the goodies are really good and they're usually dressed in white and, and obviously we're one of the goodies and everyone is slim and beautiful, okay? And we're going to overcome through the power of Jesus, okay? It's not like that. Clearly, we are in a battle. Scripture makes that clear. We are in a battle. And there is power in the name of Jesus. But rather than seeing ourselves as some strange members of a video game, we need to hear the words of Scripture and to ask, what does the power in the name of Jesus mean? give us first and foremost it comes to protect us to enable us to stand do you remember in Paul's letter to the Ephesians chapter 6 at the end he gives this amazing picture of the armor of God it's a beautiful beautiful chapter if you've not read it recently do read it and it's quite possible that Paul is in prison and he's looking at a, at a Roman soldier and as each of, the moment, each of the parts he looks, he says, well, that could be the helmet of salvation and the breastplate of truth and the belt and the sandals. It's wonderful. It's wonderful. And do you know what we're told to do at the end of all that? To stand. To stand. Do you know, it's a very underrated skill to be able to stand your ground. The power of the name of Jesus protecting us to enable us to stand our ground. To protect us. So what is it going to protect us from? Jesus tells us, doesn't he, 
I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world. The power of the name of Jesus enabling us to stand our ground, to be protected from the world. Now, please don't misunderstand me. It's clearly not the case that everything that happens in the world is evil or wicked or bad. That's just nonsense, isn't it? We know there is lots of wonderful things in the world. We can even see that in the life of Jesus. You see him having meals with people, uh, spending time with people, sort of wanting to be with children on at least one famous occasion. There is a life and a love and a, and a, and a vibrancy about Jesus. It is not that the world is all wicked and we somehow have to withdraw from it. But nonetheless, the world does often, very often, work with different sets of values, doesn't it? Different ways of describing what it means to succeed. We live in a world, we do, and I, and I rather suspect the disciples did too, where success is usually measured in terms of things like fame, ambition, wealth. The things that our culture value above almost all others, fame, fortune and physique. This sense that we have to get on, to be more, to acquire more, to get what you can, to can what you get, and to sit on the can. Now, please don't misunderstand me. Don't think there's anything in Scripture which tells us we shouldn't want to do everything we can with our gifts and talents. Nothing in Scripture tells us we shouldn't provide for our family. Nothing in Scripture which, which tells us that we should deliberately seek uh, poverty or, or, or difficulty. But there's lots in Scripture that asks us, what is the most important thing for us? What is the thing which defines us? What is the thing that brings us into life in all its fullness? The world around us will tell us that it is those things. Jesus whispers to us, no, it's not. And deep down, you know it's not. Deep down, you know you are looking for me, for my love and my forgiveness and my acceptance and my value and my joy in you and the, just the sheer fact of coming home and of being his child. Protected by the power of his name, protected from these subtle but powerful lies which surround us. We need them. I dare to point out, I think, that our young people need these things need this protection perhaps more than any else. That whilst there is so much in the world that they can enjoy 
and one wants them to enjoy. One does not want them to believe the lies on which so much of our society is built. They are who they are in God, not who social media or a whole set of other things tell them that they are. Lord, protect them by the power of your name. What else might the name come to protect us for? Perhaps the extremes, the streams of thinking that we are either of no value or if we are of far too much value. Do you know, it's really easy, isn't it, to get into the trap of thinking that, um, that, that somehow we are, uh, we are very little or perhaps nothing at all that our sense of self-doubt can quickly lead to despair, our self-esteem disappearing into uh, different uh, holes. This passage, this message tells us, protect them by the power of your name. Help them to see who they are in you. Help them to see that they are members of my people. Help them to see that they are the hope of the world. They are the ones who bear the message of Christ crucified and risen again. Loved, precious, touched, honoured. You belong, you are wanted, you are gifted, you are called, you are part of the holy people of God. Protect from those Moments when our self-esteem begins to sink. The name of Jesus whispers, you are worth everything because I died for you and I have called you to be part of the setting free of the world and of the whole of creation. And what about the other end of the extreme? You know, you can meet clergy. I think I've fallen foul of this. You can meet them, and, and, and they honestly seem to believe, okay, and I'm speaking from personal experience here, they honestly seem to believe that if the Lord didn't have them, then the Lord would struggle, okay? That somehow it isn't going to work unless they do what they're doing, okay? What a load of nonsense, okay? Protect them by the power of your name, Jesus can do what he's going to do, even if we mess up. Actually, sometimes he'll do it even better when we do mess up. Not that we should set out to mess up, but he has a wonderful, wonderful ability to take our mistakes and to transform them into something glorious. Protect them by the power of your name Protect me, protect us from somehow thinking we are too central to what God is doing. He is doing it, and he calls us to be part of it. And it's glorious and it's wonderful, but it is his work. Okay, protect them. So what's he protecting us from? He's enabling us to stand. 
He's protecting us from the wrong thinking of the world. He's protecting us from the wrong thinking about ourselves. And perhaps ultimately, he is also protecting us from one last thing. Holy Father, protect them by from the things that would pull us apart. The unity of the people of God matters to Jesus. He prays in John chapter 17 three times within three verses that they may be one as we are one. Part of the, of the mission of the church, the people of God, is to reflect the unity of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That that is a sign of God's presence, and that is a sign to the world. A world which so often falls into disunity and disagreement. So does that mean we have to agree with each other all the time? Is it protecting from differences? Protecting from, from any moment when we might uh, fall out with one another? Of course not. As I've already said, Jesus' disciples, as they followed Jesus, fell out with one another. In the early church, in the, in the book of Acts, in chapter 6, there's already grumbling going on. Because some people are getting more bread than others. By the time you get to chapter 15 in Acts, there's a full-on council to decide how the Gentiles who are becoming Christians have then got to keep or not keep the law. If you read Paul's letters, there's all sorts about being one in the Lord. In John's epistles, he talks constantly about loving one another. Holy Father, protect the oneness of your church because we are very human, human beings. We belong to him first and foremost. And you know that's really difficult. It's really difficult. Do you remember the time of the Brexit vote? Do you remember that? People lost friends, didn't they? Long, long-standing friends. My mum did. Remember her talking about it with huge sadness that somebody who she'd known for most of her life suddenly became estranged because she'd launched into a conversation about how she expected this person to agree with her. And after five minutes, she had to pipe up and say, I don't. Leavers and remainers together in Christ. Those who thought the vaccine was good and those who wouldn't have the vaccine. Together in Christ. Those who want to wrestle with questions of gender and sexuality and relationships and marriage and those who fear those discussions very much. One in Christ. Protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one. The oneness we have in Christ is precious. It is one of the things that Jesus has done for us, one of the things he wants to continue with us.
one of the things he wants to protect. Forgive me, I'm going on longer than normal. I think this is a really wonderful verse. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name. Have a think about it. You bear the name of Jesus. Isn't that an amazing thing? You and I bear the name of Jesus. He enables us to stand our ground. He enables us to think differently from the society in which we find ourselves. He enables us to think rightly about ourselves. None of this low self-esteem nonsense. We are precious. None of this feeling that we are so central to the cause of the gospel that somehow God can't do without us. That's bonkers. None of this feeling that if somebody disagrees with me, I cannot have anything to do with them. They are my brother and my sister. And I am called, as they are called, to be protected by the power of his name. Amen. We're going to sing again. I'm sorry, I seem to ask us to sing at the very moment that Mags goes to get some water for sing again. Sorry, I've done that twice now. We're going to sing again. And I'm going to invite Mags and Lawrence as they lead us.